you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome, go-to-market leaders. Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in from marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot, and I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket, you are in right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, and use the code Future CMO. It is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Hope everybody's doing good. We're back. We haven't done Mondays for about two weeks now. It feels forever. And I did get a note from some people saying that, hey, are you? did you stop doing it? And I was like, well, I didn't know it was actually something I signed up to do every Monday, but I think apparently I did. And uh, it's awesome that it actually makes or helps uh, Monday morning really fun and productive for people to just learn and go. So it's really, really cool. So... Before we jump into today, let me just share what we are about to do. So today, uh, we're going to have James. James Gilbert, he's the head of marketing at CRM Next. We're going to have a little bit of debate. We're going to talk about revenue versus MQL. Both of us have strong opinions. So fasten your seatbelts on that. And then later on in the week, uh, on Wednesday, we're going to have a, a great conversation also with Susan, who is a founding partner um, and CEO of Torchlight. Now, they are really embarking on this new idea of like how the marketplace is getting created for highly certified freelancers. And I think right now, almost everybody I know has some sort of side gig going on. So this might be interesting for people who are, who are starting, to, starting to jump into that. So uh, with that, let me play favorite song or the walk of music for my friend over here. There you go. As you bring him in. And everybody got to know what this is. Everybody got to know what this is. Everybody got to know what this is. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? All right. It's only, it's, like one of the, it's only like one of the greatest songs ever. You know, like, yeah. I don't think there's a song that gets me more pumped up every single time I listen to it than that one. So, so tell me more. Tell me more about that. Why that song? How did that come up as you're like, all right, this is the song I got to play for today. Like, I got four kids and... I don't know if you've ever seen the video of, of on SpongeBob of this song, but I mean, that's what comes to mind. I think about, yeah, <laughs> SpongeBob singing this song and uh, I don't know. I, I just really like the song. I, I could have done a million other ones. Right. But this one, yeah. this one, was, like, especially with how much ABM is being talked about and that's the topic of today. I'm just sitting yeah. here like it's, it's time. It's time to break down some of this stuff and, and help people figure it out. Let's do it, Matt. So let's welcome some of the folks, as you already know. Um, like, here you go. Wendy, so good to see you over here. So, oh, my God. Sumter, congratulations. He, I just saw that he became VP at his, uh, at his organization. So congrats for that. Matt, good to see you. Samir, good to see you. Um, look at that. Nick, Nihal, Lisa. So we're, we're just going to jump into a whole bunch of conversations with a whole bunch of great people. So 
The topic for today that we put out there was a debate on marketing measurement, revenue versus MQL. So <laughs> let me just say something and then, then get your reaction on that. And then I want people to hear your story of like, well, you know, how do you become a CMO? Like, well, what's your role look like? And then we'll go deeper into it. But here's, here's my, my big emphasis or theory right now that you can dismantle it. And I would love for you to do that. Uh, is that I think, um, I think we don't need MQLs. I think marketing two years from now is not going to have MQLs at all. And for folks who are on the chat, have commentary on it, please put in your, your notes. Like, hey, do you agree or you strongly disagree? Because I know myself and, and James, we both have conversations on it off air, which is why we're having this on air, on air now. So I don't think uh, MQLs are even going to be part of the marketing vocabulary two years from now. And some organizations I've seen starting to go away. But in some way, I don't think it is actually going to be part of it two years from now. So... James, right on there. What are your thoughts? So I agree to an extent. Okay. Look, I'm, I have a marketing ops background, so I'm very familiar with tracking the funnel, tracking stages of the funnel from visitor to, to lead, to lead, to MQL, to MQL, to SAL and so on. Right. Every organization should have those funnel metrics, but I don't know a CEO or founder at a startup or a board Okay, that does not want to see those traditional velocity of the funnel metrics. And here's why. It's the end goal is the revenue. And I, I truly believe that that's, that's where we should all be focused is the revenue goal. But sometimes in order to get there, we have to understand the journey of the funnel. And if we don't have the funnel mapped out, then oftentimes it's tough to have a repeatable revenue model. Like, for example, if we run, if we run a project or a campaign or whatever anyone wants to call it, and it generates, you know, a certain amount of revenue. And we go back to that. Can we make it repeatable if we don't understand exactly how it filled the top of funnel, middle of funnel and bottom of funnel? So that's where I might add a different flavor. And that's the sense that we certainly should be tracking revenue as the end goal. We certainly should be tracking marketing created pipeline. But if we don't have the funnel metrics, it becomes really difficult to do a traditional ABM and demand gen parallel. So put a poll up there, type in your comments. I'm going to read it. I'm going to bring some of you either online or uh, put your comments in here as we talk through this. So as we get into this and as people respond, is MQL your leading indicator of success in marketing? Uh, James, share your journey of becoming a CMO because I know a lot of the folks listening right now are, are in marketing. and I'm, I'm, I think you have a really phenomenal story there. Well, listen, I started off uh, my career in sales. Um, Believe it or not, I didn't, I didn't get my degree in marketing. Uh, I actually started doing civil engineering. So I had a very strong like engineering background. So people knew that when I, when I came into sales and then I started doing marketing and every leader that I had um, really needed help with reporting attribution. This is way back before a lot of these tools that do it for you came out. So I started structuring that stuff. I, I started building reporting. I started building PowerPoints for them to present to executives and that's where I really started understanding the value of data. And I, I doubled down on it and I became an expert in data. And I, I always have a saying, this is something that's gone through my whole career. And that's that he who owns or he or she or whoever, whatever you want to call it, that owns the data, owns the room. And that became so evident to me in every part of my career. There were moments where 
my leaders didn't understand the details of the of the data. So they would bring me in to explain it to executives because mm. that's what they needed, right? They needed they needed something to arm themselves. And and even today, there's there's moments where I'm in a board meeting, or there's mo- moments where I'm in um, an executive meeting where it's all of us, all of us staff, right? And because uh, a, a function of a business doesn't have data to support their argument, and I do, right? I get listened to more. Yeah. So that's how I've that's how I've built my career is off of the marketing offside and the data side, and it's gotten me to the point where where now I I really I don't have like your traditional brand background. I certainly understand brand and how to do it, but I'm not your traditional CMO and built that way. Right. I, I, I firmly believe in the data, which is why <laughs> I'll debate you on the funnel metrics all day long. Right. Because there's some yeah. things that do need to be, do, do need to be said there. You may not track MQL, but if you're doing ABM, you got to track an MQA, right. Marketing <laughs> qualified account. Yeah, no. And I've talked about that. Uh-huh. Stuff. And I wanted you to share your, CMO journey real quick, because I feel a lot of people see brand CMOs that people are making a lot of noise around and uh, storytelling is a big part of it. But there are a lot of operators out there right now in marketing ops and things. And I feel like they almost feel like pigeonholed into a corner saying that, hey, run me, run me some spreadsheets and stuff. But they don't realize the power they have if they take the time to not just run those spreadsheets, but analyze that and actually come up with a recommendation and saying, here's where we should put the next dollar. And there's so much power in that. If you can do that, you can be a CMO. And I think you have obviously earned that, shown that, and you're doing it really well. So let's look at some of the polls up here. So. Um, Lisa says, MQL is dead to me. Lisa, you and I are best friends right now. So we got, we got some, some, some folks uh, agreeing uh, with, with one, at least me. I'm, I'm going to start calling. I'm only going to show that agree with me. I'm just kidding. Uh, and then, <laughs> well, for the record, I do agree with Songram as well. I just know that you have to have a really good combination of both. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think what you mentioned, I'm just going to bring when, when you're looking at lead measure MQL, do move the needle at management. It might not be important. Um, Adam over here, he's talking about like MQLs will still be alive for expensive products with long sales cycle for several years. But most SaaS will quit them sooner rather than later. Oh, I now, like that. Right. Like, because James, I think you had a really interesting twist to it. He's like, yeah, but not for all companies. Down, double down on that one. Like, just double click on that to say, what, what, what do you mean by different companies may like it and never do it and other companies may not? Well, larger organizations typically have been doing the funnel metrics for a long period of time. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say should be. They should be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been at large organizations where they didn't even have it structured, right? So there's, there's things that I, I think you have to have at a startup. You have you have to be tracking your funnel. You it, you can you don't have to call it MQL. You could call it MQA if that's what you were doing, right? But you have to be tracking those stages of the funnel because that's that's actually how you can also impact velocity way before sales gets involved. Mm. If I can, cool. see, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Now I'm just going to that is if you're doing because you're also an ABM evangelist. You've been talking about that and 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 obviously sharing and we both are in the community and and you shared a full on like really interesting graphic of how the journey is and all that stuff. The reality to me is it's freaking complicated, right? Like you can't really predict people, but if you're truly doing ABM, would you still 
say you need MQAs or you will say, you know what, if, if they come in by marketing or sales, who cares? We just need to see how many of the tiered accounts actually move to the next level because the reality is marketing and sales have to work on them together. And if it comes from a marketing source or not, like for example, we had, you, you, I don't know if you were live last week, um, um, we were talking to, to, to you know, uh, Jared on, uh, sorry, Garrett on, um, on SEO. And he's like, hey, look, the reality is that all of these channels are feeding into each other. They're helping each other. They're supporting each other. And a lot of times marketers do shoot, uh, shoot themselves in the foot by going on a specific channel. And the reality is if you can, if you know your total address of a market, marketing can just go or a CRO can go and get it from Zoom Info, for example, put them all in the CSM. And now every single account is a sales account or a marketer can do that and says every single account is a marketing account. So now is MQA or SQA, does that even matter? Or, or is it negative to have those and would it be positive to say, you know what, let's not have either one of them. Let's just say an account is an account and we need to figure out engagement in those accounts. I, I think it's more the latter, right? Because I, th I truly think that if you're going to do an ABM, like ABM is a strategy for the record. Like yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in that it's a strategy. It's not, a, it's not necessarily tactics. Um, tactics are part of it. But I'll even back up further than that. If you, mm -hmm. if you don't have some of these traditional demand gen things, okay, that you're running and channels that you're running, how are you going to be able to get to the TAM? You, you can't just go to zoom info. I'll tell you why. Because, yeah. or, or whatever data platform that, that you have, you, you can't just go to there because what I have found, and we, we validated this at Cisco like mad that not, there's not one source that's truly accurate. All right. And then on top of that, you have sales and in, sales intent data or feedback, whatever you want to call it, customer feedback that comes in. And it also kind of unvalidates that data in, in some cases too. For example, let's say I'm reaching out to an account that Zoom Info or whatever data sources tell me I should focus on. So sales is going after them, but in their prospecting, they find out they just signed a contract with a competitor. Zoom Info is not going to give me that information, right? And if, if they can get that level of information, how accurate is it? So this is where triangulating the data, my, my MOPS background, right, yeah. is so important. And why, why we have to have, you know, multiple sources of intent, why we have to combine it with demand gen data. Because if we don't do that, if we don't have these other channels telling us what's working and the engagement that's happening, then, then tr truly, how do we have a repeatable revenue model? So tell the story of Cisco, because I think that is a really interesting When you and I are talking about. It seems like you had a lot of fun over there and you almost created a predictable model around customer uh, retention stuff. So share, share that story. Well, look, uh, without getting into too much detail so I don't get in trouble, uh, Cisco <laughs> does it really, really well. Okay. Um, they're a sales driven organization and they have a very specific process to that. They have a lot of products, right? So there's not just one product that they're selling, which means there's, there's a different total addressable market for each product that they have, right? right? And getting them to upsell and things like that. But with Cisco, you, I mean, the platforms that are out there for ABM and, and, and intent data, you name it, they had it. Like honestly, and they're, they, they leveraged it in their own unique ways. And even before Cisco, when I was at CloudCherry, we had Terminus, we had Demandbase, we had G2 Intent, we had Bombora, 
we had we were a little startup, but we we invested in these areas because it provided a much faster lift to velocity on our accounts that we needed to focus on. Then if we went out and started running a bunch of ads and tried to get engagement with email marketing, it, it, it did the job for us. So we invested heavily there. We got insights from Terminus that we didn't get from anyone else. We got insights, insights from Demandbase that we didn't get from anyone else. Same with Bombora, but we triangulated it. And we did the same thing at Cisco and it worked phenomenally well. Wow. So before, before COVID yeah. happened, we knew Zoom had security issues. We, we knew way, way in advance. So mm-hmm. what did Cisco do? They took total advantage of that and they made out really, really well for it with WebEx because WebEx does not have those same security issues. I'm not trying to call out Zoom, but that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we knew that way ahead of time because of the intent data that we had. So, so you, you mentioned in the post that you did in the peak community was like, there was a combination of intent plus uh, plus um, demand gen. Well, what was the combination that you said? Well, how do you think about ABM? You also already mentioned that people are loving the idea, like it's a strategy, not a tactic, but you redefined it in, in, in an interesting way. And I, that's why I love your background because that's not something that I hear quite often. So how do you redefine ABM and how do you look at it now at CRM test? I, I, I said this a little bit earlier, but it's a strategy. It's, it's, it's a combination of the tactics that you run through demand gen and it's a combination of the tactics you run through brand. If you just have accounts, okay. And you're going after those accounts, especially right now during COVID and your, your message is, is all around your features of your products and, and how to provide value. It's going to fall on deaf ears because everyone else is doing that. So there's, there's components to intent that people don't think of as intent. And I, and I mean this, like when your sales reps are prospecting and they're on video like this, like there's, there's little things that your sales reps should be able to pick up, which is why it's important to record your video calls, ask your prospects to be on video because look, like you look over here on my desk, like there's a star Wars guy, right? There's a book, right? Those kinds of things can be used. That's intent. That's intent to the actual individual which means that now you're taking this account stuff and you're making it really personal to the person. If somebody prospects into me and they talk about the Utah jazz, I'm going to talk to them almost every time. That's not an invitation by the way, but I'm just saying that that's the personal stuff that everyone needs right now. So being able to tie in the account level data into a personal, that's, that's a big missing gap that happens with, you know, quote unquote ABM, because how do you translate that? A lot of companies that I talk to, that ask me, hey, how do we get more sales engagement? How do we get how do we get people to get involved more? And they don't even have sales or a customer at the table with them in their strategy. They build a strategy, they build the campaigns or projects, and then they take it to sales and be like, all right, let's do this together. What happened to the togetherness before you built the plan? Yeah. So, so how does and does the marketing and sales as you have an organization? Does the BDR, so as you are reporting to marketing, do they have separate one? How do you see that happening in most organizations? Well, we just went through a small little change at CR Next. Um, so we're kind of debating whether it should be, whether the BDRs are going to report into marketing or whether they're going to report into sales. But nonetheless, the reporting structure doesn't matter because we are heavily involved. We have the, we have the um, sales team as well as customer success heavily involved in the plan. Now, remember, it doesn't mean that you have to do marketing by committee. 
but have at least one person that represents the functions of the business present. Because here's the thing, we always get kind of upset as marketers that sales wants to claim that they can do marketing better than us, right? That's a historical thing. Well, guess what? Well, everybody in the world thinks that they can do marketing. Like marketing is the one place where everybody can tell, you know what, your website is not as good as it should be, or your ebook is not. Everybody has an opinion on marketing. If you go to the CRM Next website right now, you'll you'll be like, man, does does James even know what he's talking about? I'm very aware that our website needs a lot of work, by the way. Um, but but it there's this there's this notion, right, that marketers don't use enough of the customer voice. They don't talk to the customers enough. Um, and guess what? You have multiple customers as a marketer. It's not yeah. it's not just the one who buys. It's the one who sells. They're as much of a customer as the one who one who buys. And it's the one who keeps the customer. So it's customer success and support. When you have customer success and you have sales in the process of planning, this helps yeah. you to be able to figure out the journey. So this is something that I learned really heavily in the, in the customer experience world when I was at CloudCherry. And that's that you have to have all the functions of the business. It's a strategy. It's a top-down initiative, right? You have to have alignment from the, from the CEO all the way down to every function of the business. And that allows you to build a journey. I mean, I would challenge you. So this is one of the challenges that I give, give the audience today. Can you map out your journey? Like, honestly, map it out end to end. The time in which they know your brand, the very first touch of a brand to the point in which they purchase and bring them back. Most people, from, from my experience and all the consulting that I've done before I got to this point, can't do that. Yeah. I love that, man. You know, one one thing, and I'm going to bring in some of the comments and questions um, over here uh, in a second. When I was at Pardot, one of the things we did every single month was an internal customer story. What that meant was we would actually go as a more, we'll go in a sales meeting and we will map out and say, hey, um, well, Chris or Jane, hey, awesome, great job closing that deal. Here's what happened. This particular customer actually uh, came in two years ago at a booth that we did at, at Salesforce, at the World Tour or whatever. Then they went like dead for about six months. Then they actually downloaded an ebook. Then they did a webinar. Then they did blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, and then you see in the last uh, a month and a half, there are like 12 people now from that. And I had literally four interns helping me crunch all that data. But what that did was twofold. One, it, it disarmed uh, the sales team like because the credit was given to them, but we also mapped the journey internally for them, like where, how we close that deal. But two, the marketing team was pumped and psyched like it's never before because they're like, my social post, my ebook, my event, my like almost everything gets touched over a period of time, but you don't hear that, you don't see that. So doing that journey every time a deal is closed or at least for the one, one deal, and just looking at that, like, well, how did that happen? Uh, I think it's like therapy. I don't know if you, you've done that and see that and, and, and go back and talk to the sales team about that. We, we focused <clears throat> when I was at CloudCherry, um, and we, we backed this up, by the way, with Gartner and Forrester, uh, looking at like the assessments that happen when, when organizations are trying to go through customer experience. So you know how you asked me how I would define ABM? Honestly, I would define it as a, uh, as a focus with marketing around customer experience. That's ultimately what it is. 
to its core. It's bringing the customer experience more to light. It's making sure that people truly do have a personal experience with, with an account. That's why direct mail came to be, right? You know, yeah. How are we going to personalize this? That should be part of your strategy. Well, the interesting thing is everybody that came in from, from our inbound methods at, at CloudCherry, we, we onboarded them onto what we call the CX um, assessment. And that, that assessment told, told us whether they were just getting started or whether they were further on down the road. Most people were just getting started. And you'll have folks that have written books about this, like Annette Franz, who is the f- most famous person in the world when it comes to journey mapping. And she will tell you and everyone else will tell you that it starts by building the journey. It starts there. Mapping out the journey and understanding which functions of the business can actually impact it. Because if you bring in customer success and sales into your strategy of marketing and you're mapping out the journey, I assure you, they are more of an expert in certain areas than any marketer could ever be. No matter how much you listen to a customer, customer success is eating and living and breathing that. Sales is eating and living and breathing that. They're talking to them. So from that perspective, you've got to have them involved in the strategy so that they can simply provide the insights that are necessary. Yeah. Let's look at some of the comments. Casey has been on fire over here. He's talking about marketing gets stronger working out in the sales rep gym. Man, I cannot tell how many times I tell marketers, like, just <laughs> listen to calls. Like, make it. I have actually a calendar invite for myself where every week I listen to one long call. Like, either it's a customer call or it's a churn call or a rep prospecting Paul and a lot of people do. So I, I love Casey. You mentioned that. I, I, I'll highly recommend that. Uh, Kaleem talking about like, you know, mastering, you know, mastering massively transformative customer story. Like journey mapping is, is really, really good. Um, I, I have, I mean, this is, this is a common trait. Like I don't think many people have really talked about this. Uh, I used focus group activity to map our customer journey. It really helped. Like, have you done that? Have you seen that happen? Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily reference it as a, as a focus group. Um, yeah. I more, I reference it more as like a, almost like a charter within the organization where we actually bring in other customers. And by the way, not just customers, but this is where influencer marketing can actually help too, because there's influencers out there for specific to our TAM and our ICP, right. That understand the market that have been working with banks and credit unions, which is our, primary um, focus at CRM next. And we bring them in the conversation as well to bounce messaging off of them. Hey, will this work? Because again, you've got to have more than one source of data and it's a lot harder for people to have a ton of customer calls. I mean, we know this historically it's tougher because then you've got to have the customer to agree to it. You've got to have legality issues that, that happen throughout it. Um, but if you bring in an influencer who's already working with a ton of these customers, it can actually help do what you what would take you maybe months to do because the influencers can sometimes already tell you the answers to those questions. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I'm like for us, like we've always tried to have at least every quarter. I mean, this is something that that is that more often if possible. But every quarter, we'll go and talk to Forrester, Gartner, Topo, and like like just realign. And a lot of times. Either you are helping them realign to your narrative or you're like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't think about that because they're talking to so many other folks on it. So, so it's really cool. Um, Natalie is also mentioning around this. I, I love um, Natalie and I did a, uh, did a podcast a few weeks ago. Um, she talks and she was on the live as well. 
job about like putting the customer at the center of all you build and ensure marketing and sales are talking is 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 big. Um, I, I love what Robin mentioned as well is that market and engage on a personal, not the persona. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. So wait. So what's your persona? Who are you targeting? So our our persona it's it's all over the place. If you've ever had experience with financial services, in particular banks and credit unions, yeah. there's not really like a set title or anything that we go after. Um, nor am I going to. I'm not going to reveal that on a LinkedIn Live. Come on, Songroom. But I will say, I will say, we do know exactly who we need to sell into and who, and who's our champions. So uh, we have a mapped out. Again, if you use the ABM framework, you know you you could you could do the decision maker, influencer, researcher, and so on. We do have that framework built out at CRM Next. Keep in mind, I've only been here in this role for now two and a half months, but in two and a half months' time. We've been able to structure an entire ABM, map out our journey. We've been able to have traditional demand gen. And, and I've been able to quadruple our pipeline that we've ever had for marketing just in that two and a half month time frame. And it's, it's because the focus, again, is us mapping out the journey where every function of the business understands where they can play a role. And I'll, I'll say this too, to go back to the original uh, debate of MQL, okay? Throw out the MQL as a term altogether. But what I will say is when you map out the journey, you'll understand why it's important to track those stages of the funnel. It, that diagram that I sent in the peak community, it, it's a, it shows that. Why? Yeah. Also, there's this huge debate on first touch and last touch as well, right? And why there's a debate on whether we should even measure influenced pipeline because we should just get right to revenue. Yeah. All of it matters. It really does all matter. And when you think about the journey of how people buy, especially software, it's not a one and done. It's not like they just come to the website and fill out a form, sales reaches out to them, first, last touch, there you go. It's, it's much deeper than that. They'll go to the review sites and then they'll go back to the review sites and look at competitive comparisons and alternatives. And that's where the bread and butter of how, how you can start tying in ROI and very specific revenue metrics back to a certain channel so that you can know exactly where to invest. So you mentioned quadruple your pipe with within the last how many months? Two and a half. Two and a half months. And if you were to say, if you were to give away, like, you know, for takeaways for people are like, wait a minute, right now people are struggling with that. People are struggling with demand. People are struggling with pipe. People are struggling with like, hey, look, I'm not sure if I have enough pipe for Q4 because everything is dried up. We, you know, I hear that all the time. You're one of the very few people I've heard from where it's like, hey, wait a minute, my pipe actually has quadruple. Like that's a big leap. Give maybe two or three takeaways for be like, all right, if you want to generate more pipe, like here's what you did. And maybe it's some of what you've already shared. But like if you were to like, all right, here's the two or three takeaways for you. Well, the noise of what's happening right now with everybody working from home is is becoming a lot tougher, right? Because now you're the vendors that you have for intent aren't as accurate because they base it a lot off of IP. Right. So what we what we did right out of the gates is I have a very specific playbook for demand gen that I ran. And I ran that with no ABM. Okay. So how people think about ABM, I ran it with no ABM. This is a playbook that exists for that everyone's doing now. And that's, mm -hmm. we, we sent people to a webinar that was a hot topic. So how we came up with the hot topic, this is some of that trickled in ABM that I showed in the diagram. 
Yeah. We went to uh, BuzzSumo, which is a, a vendor that provides, you know, allows you to kind of crawl the web for topics. And we looked at yeah. the most trending topics that were related to our TAM. So we already had identified that and related to our ICP. And then we ran a webinar around that topic. But mm. we never talked about our name. We never sold our product. You'll, you'll, you won't even hear CRM Next mentioned in those webinars. And we ran this for two months. We had no, no branding or anything like that. All no. of your, okay. we had an, we had an influencer come in and a thought leader into those mm-hmm. webinars. And then we would have a panel discussion, very similar to this. And mm-hmm. what that did, it got to the point, it's gotten to the point now where we actually have people coming to our webinars and coming to some of our traditional um, demand gen activities. And they're saying, Hey, why aren't you showing your product in these, in these webinars? And we're like, that's what we want. We want people yeah. coming to us being like, show us your product. We love what you're doing. So yeah. this quarter that we're going to be, we're, we're in right now. So we're in our second quarter and the whole strategy that we have is, is very similar. It's, it's all around creating really true value for people. So what, a lot of people don't know is credit unions and banks are keeping the economy afloat right now, yeah. but no, but no one's talking about it. So what we're doing is in this quarter, that's all we're going to be talking about. I'm not going to be going and doing a bunch of selling. Like we're going to be actually talking about that. It naturally draws in people to want to engage with your brand. It naturally draws them in to be curious, especially when you're at a phase that we're at and we're a big company globally, but we're a little baby here in the U S. So we have a lot of traction to do from a brand perspective. We can't compete with the huge behemoths out there that already have a brand and that, you know, are primarily seen as a thought leader in the space. So we have to do things differently. And that's, that's what's brought in the pipeline. And that's, what's bringing in the revenue is that right there. That's that's money. Like that's, I hope people are taking notes on that because you you played card. I mean, as Adam said, like Adam put said, what I was saying, like you play your cards close to the, to your chest, which is really good, smart marketer. But you shared something that if people are listening, really paying attention, they they actually can look at the tool, look at a few things, and actually start doing what you did. All right, so um, I'm gonna give maybe two or three like big takeaways from uh, from what I already got. And again, James and I are in this private community. If you want access to it, it's invite only. Hit up James or hit up myself, and we'll we'll send you send you an invitation for it uh, if it makes sense. Uh, but here are the big takeaways. Number one, I love. I've not heard this before. So, and I do a lot of interviews. So this is this is really good stuff. I've always heard, hey, bring your sales team together, but not a lot of people talk about bringing your customer success team together in it. Everyone I know, I'm seeing right now a whole bunch of people: Amber, Caden, uh, Megan. Uh, like, oh, Megan has this question. So let let you answer this question real quick. Um, how many webinars are you doing a quarter? We're doing three, one every month. One every month. Okay, perfect. And by the way, this quarter, we're not doing a single webinar. It's all about what I'll reference as cause marketing. I'm not focused uh, on, I'm not focused on COVID by the way, which yeah. is what everyone is focused on. The focus is on bringing value and, and, we're actually running a contest. Like I don't mind talking about it. It's a, it's a contest that we're going to have people nominate credit unions and banks that have literally kept their communities afloat. And mm-hmm. what we're going to do is we have judges 
that will judge the contest. And that's how we're going to run it. We're going to run these these judges are going to run it. It's going to be a brand. They're going to talk about it in social media. We have to do very little marketing for it outside of what we would traditionally do, which is, you know, social, social proof. Wow. Dude, you just, you said you're not a brand. This is all brand play using data at its core. I'm not a traditional brand guy in the sense that like, I don't, I don't have all the answers on brand playbooks like some do, but I, I understand enough about data to know that when you, when you grasp the data that you have, you can pretty much be a master at almost anything. And that's, that's the kicker. (laughs) I mean, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. All right. So, so number one, bring your CS into the fold when you're actually creating the plan. The second, he or she who owns the data owns the room. That was a big one. A lot of people love that. A lot. I think it's a, it's something that people marketers get frustrated around. Like, why, why am I not getting more budget? Why am I not getting the support I need? This is a fantastic idea. Why don't I get, and the reality is that you don't have the data to, or enough data to get people to say, you know what, it's worth the test, worth the stuff. So learn to love data. And obviously one of the things, big takeaways you, you gave which I think people, it, it, it's going to require time. I don't know if you have any tips on that, uh, James, but like, how do you map out a journey? How long should it take? Who should be involved in it? Like what, because I can imagine and say, well, man, that could take me like you know, a lot of time to map every single thing, especially what you shared in the Peak, uh, Peak community uh, last week. Maybe you can share a little bit about that and the challenge for everybody around that, um, that they can go do. So to me, uh, mapping it out end to end with the right people in the room should only take two days, a two day workshop, get everybody in there and it's gotta be a full day. Who's everybody? Two full days, customer success, customer support. Cause sometimes they're different, right? Sales, product, marketing, and you should have, you should also have your ex- some some executives in there so that you can have executive buy off. So th- those are the those are the five areas that I would I would bring into the table because every single one of those areas is going to touch the customer at some point in the journey. And if you don't have that insight, the value of this, like I, I got on a call the other day with somebody and they were talking to me literally about how they can get more engagement, right? And I just asked them point blank, "Where well, are you bringing in these folks?" And they're like, "Well, no, we're not." And I, and I, and I, and I was kind of surprised by it. And I was like, well, then how do you expect to get sales to act on it? And, and by the way, how do you expect to get insights from customer success? Cause at this point in the journey, they, they know it better than you do. So how do you, how do you empower customer success? If we're looking at HubSpot's flywheel, for example, where the customer literally is the center, which is beautiful, by the way, if we do that right, then guess what? We've got to have those functions in there so that they can also provide marketing with the right insights to act on it. It's got to be a two-way street. And it rarely is. Marketing is always sitting here trying to figure out how can I package up the data so that it can empower sales and customer success. That's the wrong mentality. Stop that mentality right now because it won't work. It will fall flat. I love it, man. Uh, one, one thing, and um Amber, obviously, uh, when you get a chance, James, just look at the stream in here. And obviously, I'm sure people will have questions in the peak community that we didn't get to get to really get into. But like, Amber, if you could really answer this question, like, do you bring a new influence each time for the monthly series? 
every time because I don't want it to be a CRM next or our brand selling. And I can't do that if I don't bring in an influencer. That influencer can be the same influencer every time, but it, it, it's got to be driven from a third party. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of value in that. I remember like they, at one point when we were, we were doing Flip My Funnel roadshows, we would essentially say, hey, this is all strategy. And people got so upset saying, hey, we also want to see the tools. And we're like, aha, that's great. So we actually made the last 15 minutes of a four, four hour workshop around strategy. In the last 15 minutes, we'll have the three sponsors do a five minute demo. And everybody get to applause. Whoever gets the most applause gets to take the, the wine bottle or a cake or something like that. So it turned out to be fun. Everybody had their strategy. So the people felt good. The value was given first. And then in the end, the five, the reps were jazzed. They were talking. That was the last thing they heard. So if they wanted to talk to them in the happy hour, they can go and connect with them. But that ended up be, becoming the best way to handle it as opposed to what most people do, they say, hey, thank you to our sponsors, da, da, da. And people are like, oh, my God, I, I don't want to sit in another one of these. So, James, this was fantastic, man. I love it. You can already see there's just so many things and so many stuff. So I'll send you the link and you can comment on a lot of these things. Uh, Megan, Robert, Center, Amber, like there's so many folks up here. Uh, Aditya, Natalie, Robert, Kaleem. Uh, Adam, there's just so many folks. I can't even go through all the names over here. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining. James, thank you for it. And again, if everybody wants to get in with James and I in this community, just hit us. And if you're in marketing and if you're serious about spending 30 minutes to get one person better, we will uh, we'll, we'll send you an invite. This is ridiculously good. Next week, and ne- next not next week, on Wednesday, I'm going to have another friend of mine who's going to talk about how marketers are actually finding really amazing gigs out there in the world of freelancers. So I'm excited to to do that as well on Monday at 9 a.m. So James, again, thank you so much for joining in. You bet. Thanks for having me, Sangram. Awesome, man. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.